as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. Today on the show, we welcome Brett Twarski. He is the executive vice president at the XO Group, which most notably owns The Knot. And so Brett still runs product there. He has a long history in product management, including at Mint. And today we talk about one of his favorite topics, user science. So you're going to want to hear this. It's excellent. Stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. I'm Brent Turetsky. I'm the exec vice president of product at Exer Group. Uh, Exer Group is a uh, is a uh, lifestyle. I'm sorry. Um, 
Exo Group is a life stage media and tech company. We help couples navigate and celebrate life's most important moments together, such as getting engaged, getting married, moving in together, and having kids. Uh, we're especially well known for The Knot, which is America's leading uh, website and app for planning your wedding and everything to do with pulling off your wedding with confidence. Uh, my story and path into product management um, is not dissimilar than anyone else's. It's circuitous and strange and indirect, as, 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 as it has been for all of us. I was uh, trained as an engineer. Uh, I loved the, what the power of what tech could do. But back in the early 2000s when I graduated, there was no such hero engineer that, you, that you've had for a while. And so I, I felt part of a machine as a sitting in a conference room and at a big company in the dark coding away. I wanted to be more involved with the strategy, the why. From there, I went to, to consulting and then venture capital to try to be involved with the why and the strategy, mm. but missed being part of the action. Yeah. And eventually, I found product management. I could be both the arms and legs and the head and the heart to put it all together, making amazing things happen for users, being both part of this, the direction, but also making it happen. And, and that was just this wonderful light bulb go, going off. I started in product management in the mid to late 2000s. I've, I've been doing it for uh, over a decade now. Back then, people didn't really know what product management was, and uh, I found my own path through it. Uh, I've uh, been lucky to learn product management through uh, product leaders from uh, eBay when I was at a company called Mint, through uh, the Netflix approach when I was at a company called Chegg, when I ran product at Udacity, I learned about the product methods from Google, and I sort of been making my own style of product management along the way, taking the bits and pieces that I found to really work. Yeah. Uh, right now, I run product at, at Extra Group, as I mentioned. We're one of the largest product groups in New York City. I've got about 50 people on my team of product managers and product designers. Nice. It's been a wonderful uh, to be at, at, at such a scale because it's forced me to say, how do you make the craft of product management work at scale? Yeah. And it's, so today you're doing a talk on user science. Um, can you can you define user science uh, for us? Sure. User science is the the field of of understanding your users fully, both understanding their needs and intentions as well as their actions and behaviors. A fully rounded product person, whether you're a product designer, product manager, a user researcher, needs to know all of the stuff to build fantastic products that really serve your users. Uh, Oftentimes, people just know one part of this. They'll, they'll be really good at UX research and contextual inquiry. They'll, they'll get inside the heads of users, but struggle to put that into action. Right. You'll also have folks on the other side of the equation who get really good at digging into the data, understanding what's happening. They'll get good at A-B testing, but they won't understand the why. Right. To build really insightful products that change your users' lives, that solve the most important problems for them, you need to know what really makes them tick and how they behave. The two are so different. For example, what we might say we want to eat is different than what we actually eat. Right. How much we want to exercise is different than how much we actually exercise. So one's intentions and needs are, are actually quite different than our behaviors. Building products that solve a user's problem but also fits into their life and such that they use it is a really tough problem. Yeah. User science is the field of putting it all together to build these to build magical products that meet the needs but actually fit into life and work. So tell me, I mean, you guys deal with some very emotionally charged uh, life events, right? So if, if we looked at getting married, um, how have you guys done that user research uh, for you know brides and grooms in that area? 
Great question. Um, so the way we employ user science at the Knot, user, user research and analytics, um, we have a full suite here. We want to understand what users are feeling and what they need. So we do things such as interviews, surveys, contextual inquiry. We, we watch in their, their, their day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And then we also use the, the behavioral analysis and, and the analytic side of things. We put prototypes in front of users. We uh, look at uh, analytics of their behaviors going through our sites and apps. We uh, do A-B testing. We also employ some tools that allows you to look end-to-end. So, for example, customer support data, feedback, will both tell you about what people want. They'll complain, why did you add this feature? And they'll also tell you about how they behave. I tried to use this feature and it was great or it was challenging. Uh, You can find that kind of information by doing beta testing groups as well. My favorite type of research, which is a, a, the backbone of our user science program, is something called a diary study. Okay. A diary study is a longitudinal study where you find users at the beginning of a journey and you follow them. You talk to them every week. So for us around wedding planning, as soon as people get engaged, we'll, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, we'd love to chat with you throughout your journey. Um, just I want to talk to you about your needs and your hopes and your dreams and the tools that you use to solve your challenges. And if we talk to our users every week through the journey, we learn about what are their biggest needs, what causes them to take action, how do they find the products out there, how well are their needs met. And that's, that is the magic that unlocks. What are the real problems and how do you actually solve problems that fit into people's lives? When do you find some of those more emotional? Like where are those coming in when people are very frustrated? But it might not be because of your product, right? It might be because they're planning this giant event that they've never planned before. When do you find out about those instances? That's a great question. Uh, It's actually really important to take your product out of it to understand what is the biggest user need. So when someone gets married uh, and they're on their wedding planning journey, it is an emotional roller coaster. They are over the moon when they first get engaged. Wow, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. I've been imagining it. Uh, I'm so excited. My friends and family are going to celebrate the best day of my life is like I can I can start putting the pieces together for that. It's wonderful. And then quickly they realize, wow, I have to plan an event for the people I care most about. I have one shot at it. It's this and it's a year away or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, how am I gonna pull this off? I've never been a professional event planner before. I've never been a professional project manager before. Couples have three hundred hours of project management to pull up their weddings. That's daunting. So they go from this high of excitement to suddenly they're a little freaked out. They'll get a book, talk to friends, visit the knot, and figure out a plan. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they realize, well, gosh, I first need to describe my wedding. How many people are coming? What time of year? How much do I want to spend? What's the, what's the style? They sort of become to describe it so that they can do their first big task, which is find their venue. Okay. The venue is the most important part because it, it becomes the pin that everything it's right, planned you've around. In the day, you've got the point. day, you've got the place, and you've largely also set the budget and the number of people. Okay. So you're happy that you've locked in the venue. It takes a month to visit several of them and do the contract negotiation, etc. And then suddenly you're like, whew, hardest part's over. And then all of a sudden, wait, I have to build my team of these seven other people to work with. And then I need to start messaging my guests because now I, now I know the way, where the wedding is going to be collecting addresses is actually really stressful. Who's going to come? And, you know, I've got to ask my parents and my partner's parents. 
gosh, I got to collect all this stuff, which is project management with your family members. Right. People don't do that very often. So <laughs> highs and lows, highs and lows, coordinating a vendor team, getting all these messages of love from your friends, visualizing the day, getting stressed out about the day. It's an emotional roller coaster. In our diary study, we get to see that. We also okay. get to see how do people try to solve their problems. Gosh, it is so stressful collecting all these addresses. It seems like such a small tactical thing. Oh, let's just all figure out who's coming and get their addresses. Ends up causing a lot of stress and challenges for families. So we build a tool that makes it really easy to collaborate on, on collecting addresses, collecting names, and getting all that information. And suddenly we've made a big stressful thing much less stressful. Nice. There's some things we can make go away. There's some things... You know, you can never make anxiety go away. People will always have a little bit of performance anxiety mm -hmm. of this, the big show that's coming. What we do is we aim to make the hard parts much easier and give people confidence that they're making great decisions and make the delightful, wonderful stuff even better. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. Okay. What is the what is the first aha moment, right? We talked about some of the, the lows, but what's what's that first when they come to the knot, they're on a high, what's that first moment where they're like, I'm gonna stick with this for a year? Um, one of the things we focus on is how can we give you confidence, value, delight early in okay. your journey? We ask you a lot of questions when you first join us. In fact, this is something that's relatively new for us uh, in the last couple in, in the last year or so. We ask you a lot of questions. People love talking about they their do. wedding. Okay. Because <laughs> like, it's the wedding, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> in, in product management, you, you're generally taught to say, have as few uh, screens as possible. Collect as little information as possible mm -hmm. to reduce the, um, the, the drop-off uh, on registration. Yeah. What we find is that people love to talk about their wedding, so we can ask them lots of questions. And that's so wonderful for us and for our couples because when they, when they give us that information, we can give them so much value. We can help them solve these hard problems because we, we know something about them. We can personalize things to them. Have you, these articles are relevant to you to help you articulate your style. Yeah. Um, we, we work on creating tools so that we can help them uh, describe themselves and communicate themselves better and get confidence. The first part of wedding planning is this wonderful time of inspiration. A lot of couples use Pinterest. Okay. Look at hundreds and thousands of, of pictures to say, gosh, what what, what is this day going to be like? And we help our couples on that journey and then also refine that into something that reflects them. And when, when, when they say, gosh, the knot really knows me, the knot's helped me articulate myself, uh, it's helped me work with partners who, and so they really get me too, thanks to the knot, we very quickly build some trust that we're there to help them and that we understand them. Okay, interesting. Yeah, how, how much work, I'm just curious, we, we're dealing with the same thing, how much work have you done on that onboarding and what questions that you're asking? Are there questions that people uh, that you've had to remove maybe that they don't want to answer or they, they're usually very willing to give you whatever? We've done quite a bit of testing to say what are questions that people struggle with. Okay. Um, so some questions are required, some are optional. For example, you can imagine one of the most important things to ask people when they get engaged is, hey, what's your wedding date? Because then we can help you with, with so many things. But most people, when they get engaged, don't know their wedding date. Right. So a, a common mistake that I've seen in other wedding planning apps is forcing you to give a wedding date when you get started. And since most people don't know it, uh, they trip over that. Yeah. So 
we, we find that making some of these things optional is, is, is critical to having people say, okay, you, you really get me. You're not putting me in a box. You're actually supporting me. So we've looked to see which questions do people stumble over, which questions are too precise. Okay. So for example, asking people how many guests they're going to have is a hard problem. How many, a range of do you want a big, small, or medium-sized wedding is much easier. So getting the, the how you ask those questions right can make a big difference. So we, we discussed this a little bit, or, or a lot, but I, I just want to see if there's any more examples. So um, do, is there an example of when you've done these, like the diary research or mm-hmm. the, the user science, and you've made a big product decision be, because of it, because of what you learned that maybe you didn't see before diving in? When we conducted our diary study, we came in with a bunch of hypotheses, and it, and it showed us, gosh, here are the biggest problems your users have, and at different times of the journey. Okay. It completely opened our eyes. Okay. These are, uh, they're not, you're missing things that our users need that are the most important thing in the world to them at that moment in time. Mm. That's driven our product roadmap, a big chunk of our product roadmap. Was there something in particular that, that you recall adding in that uh, people really needed? Many of these things we're still working on now. Okay. But uh, some of them are, have already come to life and have been really powerful. For example, uh, a, a place to figure out, track, and list all your vendors. Mm-hmm. You know, a single easy shareable sheet that says, all right, who would I have? Who am I looking for? What are their phone numbers? This one sheeter that I can share with my wedding planner or my partner. Something simple like that. We found we were uh, we didn't have our users were looking for. They were using Google Docs and Notepads, and when we built it for them, they were delighted and they used it very quickly. Nice. Okay. Now that and that makes a lot of sense. It's um, that something that that they obviously need to do. Um, can you tell me about a time when maybe you guys thought you were building the right thing, but it, it ended up not quite being right for your users and and even what you did to to get it back on course. Mm. It happens all the time. Yeah. And it should happen all the time. We always want our teams to be pushing the boundaries and, of, uh, and be provocative about the products that they build. It helps us discover new things, hard things, uh, non-obvious things that really matter. In fact, I tell my teams, you can work on whatever you want, subject to our general strategy and, and brand, uh, but you can go in any direction that you want as long as you can get a signal that you're going in the right direction okay. within, say, three weeks. It would be irresponsible for a team to spend six months on, a, on an unvalidated direction, uh, launch it, and it doesn't work. That's that nobody wins in that situation. Yeah. But for three weeks, if you've got a real good signal and a real good uh, underlying reason to do it, that's that's a that can be a good investment and a smart bet. But sometimes we let it go too long, or sometimes we haven't been able to validate it correctly. So some examples: uh, we're one of the leading places uh, where couples find their wedding venues. Finding your wedding venue is the cornerstone of planning your wedding. It's the, the bedrock that everything else uh, revolves around. And we really want to help couples make that decision with confidence. Uh, one of the things we heard from our users is, can I afford this place? Uh, when, I, when I'm looking for a place, I want to make sure that I, I can afford it. I don't want to go see something that is totally outside my budget, fall in love with it, and then be disappointed. Um, I also don't want to waste my weekend visiting a place that's not the right place for me. Because my weekend time is precious, uh, and you know, I, I can only so we only, there only so many of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we uh, we created this wonderful tool, a pricing calculator, to help couples estimate what it would take for them to uh, to to pay for a wedding with their size 
at this at a particular location. And just so like it, it's clear, that's because there's a lot of there's like the price for renting it, but then there's hidden cost in catering and. The, uh, there are configuration costs. So, okay. like, however fancy you want it to go, right. you know, do you want small flower arrangements or big flower arrangements? You know, how long do you want a big stage set set up for a DJ or late night add-ons like a photo booth or uh, things like that? Yes. So, we created a, this ca- this calculator because we heard from our users. I want to know if I can afford this venue. We created a calculator that was too complex, mm. and so we invested in pulling out the data, decomposing it, putting it into a tool. Uh, and what we found is we thought we solved the problem in our user testing. People said, this is great. And then when we put it out there, it was too complex for our users. One of the ways we found this out was we also put the PDF of a, of a price sheet on the page. And we saw at the time that users were actually engaging more with the PDF than all the work we had done taking information out of the PDF. Okay. The, we got the insight right. People wanted to know the price. Yeah. But we got the execution wrong for old users. Yep. And, and frankly, what often happens is that sometimes you build for your most passionate users, realizing or failing to realize that it's not going to work for all of your users. And so what we, what we quickly learned is you know, we, we should actually make our, our calculator simpler at that moment in time. And we've been able to make it much better than, the, than just a, a PDF uh, and know that there may be a time and place for a more complex one. But you you, you got to get that right. You have two minutes. I have one more question just around the teams, right? Because you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, giving them three weeks, right? What does it look like when they're coming up with that idea? Do they come together as a team and pitch different um, ideas based on problems that they're seeing? How do you kind of uh, sign off or verify that, that they can go pursue this? Mm. The way that we work at, at the Nodnet Exo Group, we... We provide our teams a lot of autonomy. So I don't approve the things that the teams work on. Mm. Uh, what I make sure is that I have the right teams set up against the, the company's biggest needs and problems. They have clear goals and clear areas of ownership. And from there we say, you guys are set up. You guys figure out how to solve this. And then it's up to myself and, and sort of leadership to make sure that the team work fits across the teams. So instead of having a Frankensteinish product that uh, works really well team by team, mm-hmm. that it all fits together. You never want your users to to see your org structure right. by the by looking at your product. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what was so so what we do is is we 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 give the teams a lot of autonomy on figuring out what to work on. We make sure that that it fits in well together. And then we make sure that they're outcomes oriented. And that's the most important part. When you have talented people and you just measure people by outcomes instead of output, they will come up with the, with the right answer. Nice. And they're, and they're nice. encouraged to do so. Yeah. <laughs> they, they want to know in three weeks if they're on the right path as well. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so, I mean, thank you for, for coming on and, and sharing today. Where can we keep up with, with you and, and where can we obviously find the Exo Group's multiple mm-hmm properties. Um, I write a lot about product management, the craft of product management at, at, at scale. On uh, my blog, it's medium.com slash Turetsky, T-W-O-R-E-T-Z-K-Y. Uh, at Exogroup, you can find out about us at uh, exogroup.com or The Knot. Okay. We have some really wonderful products that help couples navigate and enjoy life's moments together. We have an amazing uh, app that helps users and we're building some really cool stuff there. Very nice. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be here and awesome to chat with your users. Yeah. If you want to find out more about rocketship.fm, go to rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, 
tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. And when you can, go to rocketship.fm and scroll all the way down and leave your email with us. We'll let you know about upcoming episodes, but we'll also get you in on a Slack channel with thousands of other product people and all sorts of other good stuff that we know you'll be interested in. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple days. 